0: Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to... Uh, the gang talks on fifth wrist radio um, and thanks for tuning in and as we know fifth wrist was set up by enthusiasts to serve the community by giving community members the opportunity to review their own watches this way you can actually be honest about what it's like to live with the watch and tell people about your pros and cons um, what you like what you don't like etc so if you haven't already get over to the website and review one of your watches and help another community member make the right decision. So my name's Anthony. I'm from Defining Time and I'm joined by some absolute legends tonight. Um, so welcome to the show. First of all, we have Michael Woods and Vinny. How are you going, gents? Good.
0: Good. How Very you, good, Anthony? thank
1: you. Yeah, awesome. Really, really good. Um, pumped for tonight's show. We've, uh, we've got some awesome stuff coming up, but I need to also introduce uh, a special guest tonight to the show. Um, someone who I've wanted to get on to the podcast for quite a while. So welcome to Desi, which is desi101 101, 101 on Instagram. How
2: are you? Yeah, I'm fantastic. And uh thanks for having me. So good to...
1: Our pleasure. Our pleasure. We we uh will we'll get to know Desi in a little bit and maybe talk about a couple of his watches um that he's got. But uh, tonight, we've got a, a full on show. And what I really wanted to do tonight was head out to the community and just ask some questions on topics that people wanted to hear about. So... We've got some some fantastic questions from um, our crew and our Slack group um, and people from Instagram to have a chat about. And uh, yeah, we'll see where the, the night takes us. So we'll do some wrist checks and some drink checks, and then we'll hear a little bit from Desi, and then we'll get into the show. So who wants to kick us off? Why don't we start with Vinny? What is on your wrist and what are you drinking?
0: Alrighty, so tonight I've got the Undone Space Explorer on the wrist. Um, it's just the quirkiest, funkiest space watch I think you can get for a few hundred bucks. Um, not to everyone's taste, the handset is quite extravagant, um, but I'm loving it. Uh, just, yeah, too much fun for the money. And then I'm drinking, I've got I've gone after Roman and I've done the Gin and Tonic. Uh, so enjoying it on a Saturday night.
1: Nice. Can we just talk a little bit about this um, undone watch? So, um, this is really cool. It's so different. Um, the hands are so unique. Kind of looks like a the picture you put up recently looks like a, a a duck or some sort of bird, like a <laughs> sort of beak. Can you see that?
0: <laughs> a beak? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah.
1: But tell us a little bit about it. So, what's uh, what made you buy this?
0: All right. So, I guess I think one of the guys linked it in the group chat. And I thought that's like, that's too fucking cool. Um, not every, like, how often do we get to commemorate um, actual space events in our lifetime, not just throwbacks or re-editions? Um, so this one commemorates the first private space flight um, and done by SpaceX. And yeah, so there are lots of design cues that are taken from the rocket itself. Like the, um, yeah, I mean the our hand, the the beak, as you would call it comes from the the chest plate of the um the spacesuit, the minute's hand is resemblant of the slingshot maneuver of the Apollo thirteen craft um, when they had to yeah go around the moon halfway and make their way back somehow, um, but like yeah it's just it's just so cool um it's not like anything else I have in the collection it's just a quartz watch but yeah too much value. What about the strap? What
1: about what's the strap? Is there any like, oh. like, space suit or something?
0: Uh. I don't think so, but it it's just sort of fabric. Yeah, it's just like a Cordura um, yeah, yeah. strap, and it's white, so our mate Drew will love it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I, I've, it's get it gets filthy like after a couple of days, so I've actually swapped it out for something else. White is not easy to keep clean. No, no, no I don't know what
1: Drew's what's going on with him in that
0: space,
3: but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fine.
0: <laughs> He's got a monopoly on it. Anyone, every time anyone sees a white strap, they oh, just no. tag him, link him. He influenced the world, so he's he's famous. <laughs>
1: uh, good old Drew. shout out to Drews um, on Instagram. Good, good chat. Uh, actually, just received one of his uh, a watch that he'd been lusting for for quite some time with the grey side of the moon Omega. So congratulations to him. Cool, Michael. What is on the wrist? What are you drinking? I've got the Zenith
4: El Primero Manufacture Edition again tonight. Um, actually, I swapped I swapped it out for. Um, for the um, Bremont MB2 for a few days, but yeah, just had to come back to it. So yeah, got that on tonight. Loving it, and I've gone watch regulator style. I've made myself a White Russian tonight, a big pint of White Russian. So very yeah, good. It's going down well. A I love your work. Yeah, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> very good. And Desi, our guest, what uh, what's on your wrist, and what are you drinking?
2: um so well first of all as i say great to be here i'm obviously the substitute for alex he's obviously done a hamstring during the week in training <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like the um,
1: scotsman we did a
2: scotsman we know a scotsman oh we'll get this old guy in he'll he'll do, a, he'll do at least do one match for us so, that's <laughs> so thanks for having me and uh, on my wrist okay. tonight i've got the um Sarpaneva moomin watch yes which, unbelievable uh, which i uh, absolutely adore so love, love it, it yeah uh,
1: Very cool. And good.
2: drinking? What are you uh, drinking? Uh well, in honor of Alex, I'm double parts not triple parts but uh I mm. am the I am the substitute. So I've got a Negroni and hey. done. And then I've got a nice Yanavali valley uh, Pinot Noir uh, ready to rock and roll after the Negroni. So that's Cool. Nice. Slotting, slotting right in. Just yeah. 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 Well, fitting the bill. And,
1: and so um let's just I'd like to ask a few questions about the the Supper Ever. So um First of all, what made you buy it? And second of all, how's the overall sort of, I mean, we,
2: we know expected from Sarpanev is going to be pretty good, but how's the overall build quality? Um, so why I bought it was, um, it actually takes me back to my childhood. So I uh, watched a lot of Moomin um, sort of cartoons when I was growing up. And it really resonates as something from my childhood. And in fact, when I saw it, I had to, when I saw it sort of um, launched, I rushed to my wife and said, I'm asking for permission, but I really, really want this. I? And I don't usually do that with watches. I usually just go and, <laughs> go, 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 go and just execute and buy it. But I really was like, this is really, um, it's got a lot of powerful memories for me from my childhood. So that was the Moomin piece. And I've had some Sarpaneva watches before, but, um, and then the quality is, well, the, the thing with these watches is the depth of the dial is incredible. Like, you know, even the, the previous one I owned, and you sort of, it's almost like a TARDIS because you look at it from the, and you see the depth, and then you look at it from the side, and it's got like, you know, an eight or nine mil profile. And then you turn it over and see the depth, and then you turn it back across and say, hold on, how do they get so much depth um, onto the dial with such limited sort of, you know, de- depth of space? So it's pretty spectacular. Um, and then the loom is just uh, crazy. So, in the, you know, my girls run to it. When they see it, they want to loom it up. Um, so no, so they kind of love seeing the that piece as well. So it's pretty cool. And then the wearability. Um, for me, I've got a sort of six and three-quarter inch wrist. So at 38 and a point seven or whatever it is, it's a perfect fit um, for me across the wrist as well. So um, it wears really well, um, but the dial is just incredible. Beautiful. Very cool. I really think it's it's such a unique watch that,
1: you know, like it, it's just it's like nothing we've ever really seen before, um, which I think is just super cool. Um, so now uh, we've got a mystery guest, everyone, and uh, the boys don't know this gentleman is coming on. So uh, before we introduce him, uh, what I might do is do my quick wrist check and drinks check. And, uh, and then we'll go over to our mystery guest. So isn't this exciting? You Ooh. guys got no Ooh. idea. Actually, no idea. Saw,
3: yeah, no idea. I it's saw that I pop in. and I'm <laughs> like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> the
1: suspense. All right, we'll, we'll just keep him in the green room for one second. So on my wrist tonight is my Habring TZ21 deadbeat seconds on this uh, beautiful double croc strap, uh, which was made by Graal and uh, Martin Carswell there in Melbourne. Um, yeah, I just I love this watch. It's, it's such a cool piece, and yeah, I think you know it's just it's a really really integral part of my collection that I they always sort of drive back to. Um, and I have two of the most manliest drinks in the world. Um, I know you guys can probably <laughs> guess what they are, but we have um, one of Coca Cola's finest zeros and uh, it's a, good a drop. Carlton Carlton Brewery. Pure blonde, ultra low carb <laughs> lager, eighty percent less <laughs> carbohydrates than normal beer. So, while everyone else is uh, getting getting chunky. Uh, I am uh, losing weight, so this is great. I get to drink beer and lose weight at the same time.
4: I could just picture you like wearing like a headband, like workout gear, like pink, pink, like spandex <laughs> pants or something right yeah, like yeah. now. I don't know. It just that just popped into my head.
2: <laughs> uh, thank you very much. You're, you're, um, on, you're on the you on yeah. the, I'm treadmill right now, talking to
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Anthony, that's, what, that's how what...
2: I walk my dog. <laughs> <you go>, Vinny.
0: <laughs> so i was gonna say um shout out to martin carswell i reached out to him recently yes. just for some advice and some help and he's like a master leather worker i did what he does is incredible and he was more than happy to respond to my questions and help me out and give me time of day so yeah shout out to Martin. very cool nice guy
1: yeah i've got i've got some plans to i want to get a couple of things done um for a, a few different watches so i'll be reaching out to him shortly so um now speaking of chunky uh Welcome to the show, Demi, the uh, Chunky Wrist. How yes. are you today?
5: Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, oh, there he you. is. You're privileged in amongst illustrious company. <laughs> <Great> <laughs> well, well, thank your-
2: you. I'm glad you're here, Demi, because I've got a bone to pick with you. Oh, good. What well,
5: have I done? Just come on the show.
2: Judge like, Judy. Straight into it. Straight into it. <laughs> what happened?
5: What's happened? What have I done?
2: Oh, Vinny, Vinny, <laughs> Vinny Strap Awards, and you voted for the Vacheron. Oh. Oh. My, 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 the movement was there. I'm like, what is oh, going man. on here? My best mate, Demi, <laughs> my, my ex-best mate, Demi,
3: <laughs> is <laughs> voting Havini for the Barcelona. <laughs> so, oh, so Anthony, thank you, thank
2: you for inviting the junky rest. Pleasure. My <laughs>
1: pleasure. So, Demi, why don't we quickly go to you and just get a quick uh, drinks check and wrist check. So, what are you drinking and so, what's on your wrist? I've
5: been on a mission last few weeks and buying up a whole heap of boutique jeans out of um, across Australia wide. So tonight I've started um, with a Negrani actually. So I've um, gone with a Navy strength um, gin from Applewood out of SA. Um, so drinking cool. that tonight. So quite potent, about 60% alcohol for that gin. So. Making
0: up for Anthony's weak effort. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, Shout out to SA.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <Coke Zero. laughs> Zero, and what's I'm on sure. the wrist? So today, the sun was shining, so I decided to put on the Oris Diver 65, the Momotaro edition with the pastel green dial. So Lovely. I've got that on, a, on the cheapest NATO single pass strap, like a black one. Um, so I've been rocking that all day today. Really enjoying this piece. So one of those days where bright colours was the norm. And um, yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: Very good. Very good. How have you found the strap on that watch, the sort of denim? Um,
5: oh, look, guitar? it's a bit um, – look, on a cold day for me, it works out well. Um, I can probably go two holes in. Um, but as of what, it gets warmer, I just pulled it off. So I re- So I originally had a couple of other 65s in the past. Remember the original dial with the, the 12369 um, digits? So I had a canvas strap for that, which I kept, and I put that on at the start. Um, so that's quite long, it's plenty big enough. But on the NATO straps now, um, I'm converted, Ant, due, due to you. I haven't been a fan of NATOs in the past. I've chucked them on NATOs, many straps or many watches lately and I haven't looked back. I actually ordered some of those original Bond straps, which uh, you guys have seen on my um, on my Instagram and I can't go back. And The way the weather is at the moment, putting them on is fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I agree. I agree. Did anyone see that uh, Aquanaut that I, that someone put on a watch oh, dear God. the other day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> on a watch. Was <laughs> oh,
3: dear. Yeah, how good was that?
5: It wasn't Drew, um, was it?
1: No, it wasn't <laughs> Drew, but I'm sure he would have loved it. Oh, uh, um, uh,
0: Cool. All right. Well,
1: let's let's get into the show. Um, thank you to, to the gents, uh, Dimi and Desi, for joining us tonight. And I think you know, going to have some fun. So we've we've met Dimi before in a podcast back. I think it was about episode seven or eight, um, that we uh, that we met Dimi on the show. So let's go to Desi and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, and a little bit about your collection, and, and then we'll get into the questions from
2: the community. So over to you. Uh, yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, so I'm based in Melbourne as well. So we're in the naughty corner uh, in Australia. So <laughs> we went from, <laughs> went from the most livable city in the world to the lepers uh, of uh, Australia. So, but um, I've been in Australia. I can tell by the accent. Uh, Twenty plus years. So. Wow. And uh, yeah. So and uh, yeah. First uh, first landed in Brisbane. Uh, had a stint in Sydney, then most of my time has been down here in Melbourne. Um, from a watch perspective, I think we all get into my journey is kind of similar to a lot of people. My father was um, insanely crazy about watches, and um, would you know he's got a couple of drawers I think full of watches. And um, even holidays, we spent half a day doing watch shopping. You know, go holiday to Spain, and we spent half a day in the bazaars of wherever we were looking at watches. Um, my first sort of watch was a sort of decent was the, or for me was decent was the G-Shock, which was I bought in 1997 or whatever it was. And I got back, I bought that the weekend, went into work and all my work colleagues absolutely laughed at me about wearing a plastic <laughs> clock uh, on my wrist, because no one wore 40 something plus millimeter watches uh, in those days. Um, and about 2002, 2003, Um, I think it was 2002, I decided I'm going to buy one good watch and I'm not going to follow my father's footsteps. So I bought uh, Omega Speedmaster um, Reduced and that was going to be it. And um, lo and behold, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. So um, (laughs) eight years ago, I got really into uh, watches again and started really with um, a lot of vintage. So like the Vulcan Cricket watch, I bought one of them. Um, old um, Grand Seikos, old um, Datejusts, and then so sort of went more modern, but again, sort of a mixture between Rolex and um, sort of independence, like Nomos, um, Metro, um, etc. So I kind of went through that sort of phase, um, through my sort of watch collection, and then um, I get sucked in a bit deeper and a bit deeper, so you kind of then up the ante on um, your drug hit, so um, like the A. Langa zona 1815, um, AP um, Royal Oak, there was a 37 mil and kind of then went that way and started thinking it was pretty good, um, but not being fully informed. Um, and then really had a real f- uh, change about So if I look at my collection now, very, very um, independent, heavy. So the um, That I've got a SUF uh, 180, which I just, Purchased um, the Samponeva, um Ocean Junior. I had a, a Ocean Junior before. I so had a mixture before. Had the Perpetual um, before, um, which was pretty big for me. It's a forty-two mil. I'm usually I'm under forty mil kind of watches, um, but I loved that watch. But it, it was just and I persevered with it because I loved it and I loved this sort of philosophy with um the and simplicity of it. Yeah, it's a perpetual calendar. Um, so I've now got the Annual, which is a thirty-nine mil, which suits me that's much better fit for my wrist and it's still you know complicated watch with minimum sort of fuss Uh, and then some other uh, so I really went independent um, the Corona um, watch as well the green dial um, as well so yeah so very varied but very independent heavy um, would be where I've where I've sort of went to and the reason for that is really just the passion you know Rolex make a good watch Omega make a good watch Um, but you know, and the people who work in those organisations all work hard, but the independence is a passion. They're driving something different, and you know, if you're a passionate watch collector, I think you want to then support someone who just really has that passion um, for the watches. So that's kind of what's driven me to this. And then you get the variety from an independent watchmaker. That you and I think
1: so for you, that's probably the course you're going to stay on. I'm guessing it's it's pretty hard to go back out once you get in deep into independence.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I had I had an issue like with you I had an issue with my harboring as well. Yeah. Um s- small issue and actually Oliver in Adelaide so um really helped fix that but again just the quickly jumping on the problem it was just, it was a tiny problem but um and getting that resolved and you know and the the you know the, the um Oliver and especially um, Maria who kind of helped with, with that, so I can make sure it get resolved quickly. You don't, you don't typically get that. Well, that um, really, really um, intimate and caring, and really want to make sure you ha- you have a good experience. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to be. So
1: definitely, um, yeah. Cool. Well, it's an awesome journey. It sounds like you had the Speedy reduced for probably what? Oh, I've had that six or seven years, but as itself, right? yes, it's just sort of as your only watch before you went completely. Correct. Man, well, I was. I said I I'm not
2: going to make the same mistake as your father. I kind of almost have that and say I'm going to buy one watch and that's it. That's that's. I'm not going to have drawers of watches. And uh, yeah. here I am hiding and squirreling away watches so that my wife doesn't uh, see. So um, and hopefully she doesn't listen listen to the podcast. Oh, well, I had to. I had to. Well, I had to actually. I had an experience where I had to really come clean um,
0: with with my. This is the oh, best story. Please ever. tell. This please sounds, please this tell Cole, so You can't amazing. say that and then
1: not
2: tell. No. Go on. Oh, well, this is where I um, went to, a, we, I took my daughter to a specialist. She was having some stomach problems. So, um, oh,
3: yes.
2: <laughs> and I was wearing like a daggy pair of jeans and a grey sweatshirt. And, but I wore the um, 1815. And we're through the consultation and, you know, we're spending Obviously, it's a top consultant, so we're spending quite a bit of money, or, you know, per, the, per minute almost um, during this consult. And he kept looking at my wrist. And I'm sort of getting a bit sort of conscious. I'm kind of like trying to hide under this little dodgy sweater that I've got on. And then during the, he, and he almost just stops and he says, "Excuse me, is that a Milan you know, song?" And I said, <laughs> uh, "Yes, it is." And I thought, "I'm busted." Shit! my wife, <laughs> my wife's going to me, what, "What? What? Excuse me? What, what? What's happening?"
5: This was genuine fake in Thailand.
2: And, I, and and <laughs> he's like, and he's like, oh, your husband—he's got a really serious watch on his wrist. <laughs> and my wife's thinking, well, if this top specialist is looking, is saying, wow, what the hell is this? So, and I mean, my daughter's looking, going, what the heck is going? On? So anyway so he says, what else you got? And I'm like, oh well, I've got a Grand sequel, I've got a anyway, <laughs> So he wants them a whole collection, and of course it's a very it became a very painful process for me during this whole thing so i'm like oh so anyway we're talking away and then of course we leave the consultation we pay and then we get into the car park and then of course we're driving, my wife's like what the heck is that on your wrist like what, what, what? and i'm like no it's nothing <laughs> it's a, it's just a watch and she's like bullshit well, <laughs> yeah <my dear. laughs> That is awesome.
1: That is if you're ever gonna get busted, that's the way
0: you that, want to get busted. That's so annoying though, because you get the longer because it's understated. The party's at the back. You're wearing like a sweater and jeans, and that's exactly how I'd rock a high horology piece as well, like just casual. And you just got done. I mean, oh, you'd expect that with a yellow gold day date, but not a not a white gold eighteen
2: fifteen. Yeah. Uh, so I got 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 busted. So I mean that was so I've had to come clean on um yeah the rest of my (laughs) watches oh very good very good well there's a little bit of a, a a
1: taste of day in the life of desi but uh anyway thank you very much for that and let's uh let's get into some of the questions now so um good friend of the show and part of our slack group and instagram community here uh in australia and in melbourne is uh denny who's known for his um soviet kind of pieces um from russian and and all sorts of different sort of eastern european watchmakers um he's got a fantastic and fascinating collection so he's kgb on time on instagram and he's asked uh does in-house mean anything anymore so maybe we start with the watchmaker of us and then we'll go around the grounds and just get your opinions and see what people think so woodsy over to you what do you what do you think
4: I was hoping you wouldn't.
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> no, that's
3: okay. okay.
4: No, it's okay. I I I think um, yeah, I thought about this and I thought, yeah, it's 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 sort of thrown around a lot these days. Um, but I think it still has a lot of value if it's if it's honest if it's honest, you know. I yeah. mean because being making in house is being like there's a certain amount of independence there. So whatever is done in house, you know, at least they're they're taking Taking ownership or control of that that process or whatever, if it's you know even if it's part of the part of the watch, the dial or something like that, um, so I think I think it still it still does mean something. And I'm not sure if this is the 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 answer that you know we're looking for or the way the way that we want to yeah. answer it is correct. But um, to me, even when you look at bigger brands that are independent, I think I think that still means something because they've invested a certain amount of money and they've taken ownership of of certain elements of the watch um because it would be very easy to just you know um get things brought in and you know um assemble a watch and have other people make the stuff so i think i think it does mean you know has value so
3: yeah yeah Cool. About I,
1: I think there's there's so many extra questions that need to be asked in this. So I think mm. what I might do is ask a few of these because it, it may help people sort of formulate their answers as well. But I think w- what specifies in-house these days, and there's a few few little aspects of this, and, and how much can watch brands get away with claiming in-house when really um, in-house might mean that, you know, they, they designed the watch parts, then get them manufactured somewhere else and then bring them in, finish and put them together and then that's in-house. Or I think the, don't quote me, but I think 70% of the parts need to be made in Switzerland for it to be Swiss made on the dial and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting. What do you think, Vinny?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I don't know where you can actually draw the line at the point of saying that's in-house or that's not. Um, I think transparency is the key you just going to be, if I see in-house movement, whatever reference they want to give it from the brand, and it's actually just a Salida or an ETA, like, ah, who cares? Just call it the ETA. There's no shame in that. I think it, it depends on the watch as well. Um, like, yeah, just be transparent. And if I'm looking at a, a really good value watch that has an ETA, I'm thinking, sweet, great, because I don't want to have issues down the line, um, servicing or whatever. It's like, okay, that's that's fine. Um, But then if I'm going high horology and I want something that's very unique and got a really nice complication that's made in-house, then that's really got value in terms of horology itself. So, yeah, it it just depends on the watch and how transparent the brand is because if they just slap a custom rotor on it and it's still got the hallmarks of a stock standard movement that you can buy off a shelf, then I'm not interested in that. But, yeah, it's time and place for everything.
5: Is that the issue then, Vinnie, when uh, companies like the Bella Rosses and uh, the Orises put a custom rotor on then rename their movement um, outside of a, based on a select or based on an ETA? But uh, I think Taekhoi must be one of those prevalent examples where they just rename everything to give that perception that what they put in there is uh, not an actual in-house movement or for some yeah, of the in pieces. Yeah, so that's exactly like what I us, mean. for example, we may understand that because – as our collection evolves, we probably start off with the basics and sort of move up to the mid range and then all to the high horologies of the VCs and the Pateks or the Rolexes. So we have an understanding of what to look out for. But people, if they're brand conscious and they want a brand, they won't know anything better than they won't care what the movement is in there until they come to the point where, you know, what well, I've got to service it. Then all of a sudden it goes a thousand bucks or 15 or 2000, depending on the piece.
0: Yeah.
3: Did and, anyone
1: see the bill for that Olang Zona yeah, on Instagram yeah. the other day? Like fucking eight thousand US yeah. or something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a bit beat up. Let's be truthful. <laughs> yeah, it had a it had a challenging childhood. That watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point, Damien. What about you, Dizzy? What do you think? Um, it de- well, the, I think we're all sort of struggling with it. It depends, and I suppose it's like why. I mean, if someone's got a, a movement. I suppose my, my view is where's the creativity going to be from that brand? Is it if they're saying it's the movement, it's the creativity, then just sort of rebrashing, you know, redoing an ETA and putting a different rotor on it. Well, that's not really creativity. But if the creativity of that brand is dial or um, you know the design element of the watch, then for it's easy to use a, and it therefore makes sense to use a standard movement because that's not where the creativity of that brand is. Whereas if a brand is saying, "Oh, we're creative on the movement side because we're going to all these crazy complications," then that's then you know, obviously in house is super important then because that's where the the creativity and innovation is going to be is in that um, complication piece. So I think it depends for me where that where the the brand's creativity is coming from, and that's where they should be claiming. You know, that's where it, that's why it's a hard one to say it depends because that's where you're really looking at where's the value of that brand, where's the creativity. And it doesn't have to be the movement that creates that um, value and creativity piece. But if they are relying on that as a selling or that's where they say, we've got all this um, innovation and value is in the movement and it's just a base movement. And that's where the deception is.
5: Do you guys put in emphasis when you're acquiring your next piece? Do you actually look at the movement? Is that important? Do you actually think about future servicing costs?
0: I'll jump in. Um it depends on the watch, but mostly I want peace of mind. So the watches that I go for at the moment tend to be sporty and the watches I'm going to go for are going to be dressy. But the, the common denominator is I don't want to forking out an arm and a leg to service a watch uh, or for it to take six months before a watchmaker looks at it um, if something was to go wrong or later on down the line. Because the whole point of these things is that they'll last. They'll they'll you know outlive me. And so, I don't want to be at the mercy of a off-brand, unique, shortcutted in-house uh, movement. Um, I just want peace of mind, and I want to know that what's in my watch is going to work. And a master watchmaker like Mister Woods can fix her up. No worries.
4: <laughs> well, it's yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I don't consider that because I I, I never consider the service aspect. Um, well actually I do no I do I do a little bit because I know how difficult certain watches are to service so um for me when I'm buying a watch I think all right what what, how how much time am I going to spend when I when it comes to servicing it but generally I don't have to think about it because I'll just work on it myself so if I was to buy a um any Rolex then I just know this is just this is easy that'll be just a day of listening to a podcast and um yeah, I, I don't have to don't have to worry about it. But if it's something else, then I, you know, I might have to might have to source parts or, or really think about what I'm doing. But yeah, I, I don't have to be concerned really. So,
1: yeah, I think the key for me, Dimmy, um, is as I'm getting more and more into collecting. Um, I think I said this on a podcast a little while ago. I don't want to end up with, say, you know, I, I don't want to have a, a stupid amount of watches. I, I think somewhere between eight and 12 is probably where I want to sit and even that to me just seems a bit ridiculous because I can't wear them all at the same time but I don't want to end up with and I, and I went through the in-house snobbery uh, thing a couple of years ago I'm so glad that I got over that really quite quickly actually but I don't want to end up with a collection of say let's say I've got eight watches or, or 10 watches and they're all in-house movements and they all need to be sent back to either service centers for months or back to Switzerland to get fixed or serviced or whatever. Um, you know, I, I just because I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on each watch or more every you know three to five years. Um I'd rather and that's why I've got my my Oxen Jr. Um and my Stova and things like that that I know that I can give them to to you know friends of the show that can can service them for me for you know a really good price and and off we go again. Um, so I think that I don't want to end up with I'm happy to have a couple but I don't want to end up with a stupid amount of in-house movements because I don't want to
2: spend the money servicing them in years to come. Yeah. I think right. this is also a point where and it's something that Roger Smith talks about as well is that he talks about the luxury should actually be the ability to have like, you know, 10 plus years of before serviceability. Um, you know, that that's actually luxury is something that's built to last and its quality in the movement. And his quality that we can actually build something. And he talks about obviously watches that are, you know, 30, 40 years old, and, and they've been serviced, yet they work they work perfectly well and the oil's gone. So there really is a I think that that quality in terms of movement design and period between servicing. If you look at cars, you know, that service interval has increased and increased, but yet watches, that service interval hasn't really increased. Um, which is the question mark that people probably have around why should they go and buy a very expensive watch and then you know spend $8,000 on a service? Um, and it's almost like the car industry 15, 20 years ago.
1: Well, I think it is shifting, though, in some aspects, Desi, because you look at things like JLC now have their, it's eight or seven, I think it's eight-year
3: warranty. Yeah. yeah. So
1: they're now they're now claiming that the, the oils and lubricants and things that they're using, um, you know, and you've got ceramic um rotor uh, bearings for um, automatic rotors and things like that that are starting to shift the way that these in-house movements are built so that they can get some longevity in their services um, and I think it's fantastic that JLC have done that and I think you know Kia did it in the um, in the car space a number of years ago and other manufacturers are starting to follow that uh, and I'm, I'm really happy for the consumer point of view that the brands are now really thinking about this kind of thing that Roger Smith's saying that these things should go a fair while without needing to be touched. As long as they're treated well and, and they're respected and you're not just you know treating them like crap all the time, then they should. They should last a fair while. So I
4: think you're right. I think even like I remember Rolex saying that they want to shift their service intervals out to 10 years, even if the guarantee period isn't that long. I think the Sky Dweller was even, that was the first one that they said, all right, this shouldn't need servicing um, for 10 years. Um so they're starting to think that way. And, you know, talking about in house, I'm I'm sort of understanding a little bit more about the question and there's not there's not yeah, there's not that many actual fully in house producers out there. Even the bigger brands that claim in house, like when you talk about Roger Smith, he's one of the only ones that's fully in house. Um, some of the big brands that claim to be in house, they they haven't manufactured the movement from the start. They may have finished the movement, but um yeah, so it's 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 really difficult to to draw the line, as Vinny said. Like it's it's hard to say, you know, full, fully in house. You've got to go to someone like like Roger Smith or Kari Voutilainen, or um, yeah, I mean Rolex, or you know.
1: And so, and I think Michael, you've hit the nail on the head. So if I read this question again, does in house mean anything anymore? And I think what what sort of Dan is trying to to discuss here is. Without being here, so good on you, Dan. You've done well. Um, Is uh, you know where where do we draw the line of you know? Someone says if a brand comes out and claims an in-house movement. Now I have a I have a Tag eighteen eighty seven that was one of you know was marketed as a Tag in-house movement, yet they bought the rights from Seiko uh, from a previous caliber that Seiko were no longer going to use anymore. Um, So to the people that are not really as deep as Others that hear this in-house thing and believe it, like I believed it, I absolutely believed it and I thought it was amazing. Uh, and then I knew, and then I found this out. And like, So I think that the point of the question is probably more so the fact that what does in-house mean anymore? And are there only really a select few, like even Moser, for example, you know, they produce their own hairsprings, they supply 25 you know some big, very big brands in the industry that that don't s- disclose that they're supplied by the Moser um, sister company. So yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes with yeah. the transparency opening up.
4: I mean, it's 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 interesting. Like you can you can sort of give people you can appreciate the the the, the people the companies that do it, but I don't think it means that much anymore. Like really, I think I think quality. As long as it's quality, that means more than like to claim completely in house. Yeah, I don't think yeah it doesn't have as much value anymore because you could make something completely yourself, but then the quality could be crap too. So I think as long as the quality is good and you've you've had some input in it, um, you know, I think that's that's the most important thing. I think the thing people want to go out, buy a good product it doesn't necessarily have to be completely in-house. It just has to be a, a good, reliable product. So yeah.
0: yeah, I only think there's two, well, besides from the independents, if you take them aside, I think Seiko and Rolex are the only two real in-house manufacturers yeah. you should pa- really respect and pay attention to for their um, in-house manufacturing. JLC
4: as well. I yes, think. true. Yep, that's right. Because they, uh, JLC have actually supplied some of the biggest, biggest brands. I mean, for years it was like there were JLC movements in Patek and, and, and AP and, um,
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And vice
4: versa. Mm, Interesting.
1: Yeah. Interesting, interesting topic. And I think, I think the the good thing I suppose is especially from a community perspective is the fact that there's, for some reason there's becoming a lot more transparency and brands are getting somewhat caught out. And I think it's just going to promote, honesty from brands if they're going to want to keep the loyal customer base because once people find out there's lies out there and that things aren't exactly what they seem, then that can't end well
2: if they don't own it. No, you lo- yeah. you if you lose the trust, like, you know, and it could be one little blemish, but that just dissol- dissolves the brand's uh, trust, you know, in the community. You know, what else, what else have they been lying with? What else have they been not quite so transparent with? So. I think you're seeing you are seeing more and more of that, um, and you see with everything, not just watches, but every industry, you're seeing that you know, um, full process being transparent to the end consumer because we're we're all being much more knowledgeable, whether it's food or cars or you know watches, we want to know that full end to end to make sure that we're buying something ethical and good.
1: Yeah, and I suppose cars do it as well, especially under those big kind of. Richmond-esque type dealers like VAG with um, Volkswagen that you know the Skoda has that one thirty two TSI TFSI movement has been in the Skoda, it's been in the Golf, it's been in the Audi A three, um, and they sort of all just share these DSG gearboxes, these drivetrains and and engines. Yet one's forty thousand, one's sixty thousand, and one's eighty thousand, and they're all owned by the same people. So it's I think I think we're going to see potentially a lot more of that in the watch industry especially as we see ETA start to shake up things a little bit as well which yeah, is going to be interesting. All right, great question, Dan. That certainly uh, got the got the conversation going. Um so Benoit, friend of the show, co-host on uh, another podcast now which will be dropping shortly. Um, called the... Oh, Vintage Virginia Hen Keltner. House.
0: Vintage Hen House,
1: yes. <laughs> and and Benoit
0: the Cocktail Connoisseur as well. Don't yeah, forget that part as yeah. so. well.
1: And with the cracker head gear as well. What a legend. <laughs> um, so he wants to know, what watch do you want for Christmas? So why don't we start with Desi and then we'll go to Dimi and then the, the rest of us can catch up. So Desi, what do you want for Christmas?
2: Um, well, obviously, uh, Santa Claus is peeing uh, for this mm-hmm. watch. Uh, it's not coming up my bank balance or anyone else I know. Um, for me, it'll probably be uh, Roger Smith Series 5 Open Dial 38 Mil Platinum. Thank you very much, Santa. I'll, I'll drop. I'll take, I'll take that every day of the week. And uh, nice. I'll see you again next year, Santa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can come back anytime. time.
2: <laughs> so, there'll be carrots, biscuits and a little shot of whiskey for Rudolph uh, every
3: every year. <laughs> That's, oh, that's, that's going not asking for much.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a great choice too. That's a great Absolutely. choice. Like those, yeah, those open, amazing. those those open dials where you get to see the the, the finishing under uh, on that dial side is, is beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah. it ma- it makes it like a, obviously it's modern. It's like a modern. Obviously, that look of open dial makes it modern. Yeah, it's a very traditional watch and very traditional. So you get that sort of best of both worlds. Um, around that piece. But that's all that's all Santa for this year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want box and papers as well? Well, I will I'll take it without. Let's be, let, without, not, okay. without I don't know if Good. I see. I'll I'll yeah. ask uh, Mr. or Dr. Roger Smith if yeah. he can kind of sign something for me just to prove it's authentic. And the <laughs> business class flights to the Isle of Man to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> you can
0: take that one to the doctor's desk. I reckon you'll be fine. You're uh yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I, yeah. I, I won't get rumbled on that one.
1: <laughs> oh, funny.
5: All right, Dimmy. What about you? What do you want for Christmas? I oh, just probably something that you guys probably wouldn't expect. But I think last few weeks, uh, listening to all these other podcasts as well, I've come across. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of a brand called Fears out of the UK.
3: Yeah.
5: So yeah. I'm a big cool. fan of that Brunswick, the white dial. So I'm not asking for much, Santa, but you know, well, I think that's probably achievable. Um, as no, I think that's something two or three times the price, but. I keep jumping on their website. I keep hesitating for an order, but I think one day I'm going to just pull that trigger because that white dial, um, the salmon looks great. I just think that white just speaks. Every time I look at it, I just want it more. So I think that'll be one of the, probably the next one uh, that I'll probably hopefully Santa gives them gives me for this Christmas. I think they will just go forward for next year from there. I think you got a better chance than Desi anyway. Oh <laughs> well, he's going to stop off at uh, he's,
2: he's going to stop off at Demi's Fost and then drop obviously the main off. He's going to keep the, the top package well,
4: for last. <laughs> he's going to be wearing it, enjoying it for as long as <laughs> possible. Oh, yeah,
5: there's no, just something funny. about that simplicity of that watch. I just, uh, it just grows every time I see it. I just, yeah. love it. I just love it.
1: Yep, good, very good. Uh, Michael, what about you? What's for
3: Christmas?
4: Yeah, I, you know what, I, I was, yeah, I mean. I'm not looking at a Grail at the moment, but I I was thinking something like a a Tank Cartier Tank Sentray or a eighth second from, uh from from uh, the Grunfeld brothers, something like that. I mean, they're 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 a stretch. It's not something as as Desi said, it'd be something that you know Sandra would be paying for, but. Um, yeah, the Cartier yeah, that was that was that was really on my mind, and I was so close to pulling the trigger on the trigger on the platinum one. Um, if I had the chance, but yeah, I
3: love the Cartier.
4: Yeah, it's 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 yeah. unbelievable when you actually put it on the wrist too. The the fit is just yeah, it's
1: beautiful. So that they'd be just my too. Yeah. A quick quick one on Cartier because I think one of the things I discovered during the week this week because I really liked the Santos Dumont.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and mm-hmm. so dimmy's got one but i think for me they're not the dumont that's just the no. santos yeah, the yeah. 100 is that right
5: no 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 it's just okay. the just a large standard santos okay cool yeah, so not, not that no. one
1: but they make the santos dumont now in the extra large size with the hand-wound movement that's the caliber mc4 Oh, 430, I think it is, which is a hand-wound movement based off the Piaget um, from a number of years ago. Yeah, beautiful. And they're like $8,000 Aussie, and I'm sure even better on the secondary market. Yep. Um, oh, man, I am all over that because that that's just such a, a very cool watch and to be hand-wound as well. Yep. Um, that's very, great value. Nice. That's really good value
4: because oh. those, those movements are are um, very fine and finished off beautifully. High quality, yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing value yeah. for
1: that for that money. So I'm trying to convince the wife to get one of those so that I can wear it when I need it. Eight? You did you I'm say good. eight thousand dollars? Eight thousand eight hundred dollars, brand new from Cartier. That is right unreal. Now. Yeah, that's pretty no good. limited edition. And you know what? It's the same movement and case shape as that platinum those limited editions that came out with the pictures of the aeroplanes on the back uh, yeah, from the early 1900s or yeah. whatever they were. Yep. Same movement, same case, except it's stainless steel with a, a silver sunburst dial and blue sword hands Jeez. as opposed to platinum with the, you know, beautiful yeah. creamy dial Yeah. and the breguet hands. Um, but the platinum one's 60 grand, the steel one's 8 grand. That's, so, you that's know, unreal. I, Unbelievable value. Yep. Um, so I can see that moving into the collection at some stage over the next year or so.
4: Yeah, that's um, where that's where it's hard to justify getting platinum or precious metal. Yeah. Like, like the platinum centray is like over thirty retail if you can get if you can get it. Um, yeah, and the second hand market is like forty. So that's where it's like, yeah, that's so easy to buy steel, you know, compared to
1: platinum so, or white gold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Cool. What have we got, Vinny?
0: Is Santa bringing you that watch, Anthony? That's the one?
1: No, 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 no. That's not a Santa one. I'll, I'll get that one myself one day. I'll have to save my pennies.
0: <laughs> lovely, lovely. Look forward to that. No, it's a great, great watch. Um, for me, this Christmas and the Christmas after that, and the Christmas is following, put together, um, I would, yeah, I'm going for the VC. And you just slagged on platinum a bit, Michael, but yeah, I'm going for platinum. <laughs> I think there's something about it. There's just X Factor about platinum. Um, yeah, oh, I, I yes, I know it's not a financially wise decision, but watches aren't really financially wise decisions, <laughs> um, in general. But I just think with the grey dial and the precious metal, yeah, oh, just goddamn it, love that thing. So Santa, drop it by. You got my address. You got my number. Um, be happy for you to tee it up. I don't really care. Box papers, whatever. Um, drop it down the chimney. I'll be there to catch it.
5: <laughs> Very good. Very good. What about the servicing Um, costs of any? Sorry. The servicing costs.
0: So the forty-four hundred (laughs) series movement in that VC is actually a very traditional, straightforward movement, which can be serviced pretty easily. I hear from watchmakers.
4: It's it's just Um, a manual. It's just a manual wind. Manual
0: wind. Manual wind. um, Sixty-five hours of power reserve. Nothing too fancy. Just got a fat barrel in there and bobs your uncle.
4: Yeah. Yep.
1: Beautiful. And I'm going to go completely left field here, and I'm going to. Because it's coming from Santa, I'm gonna say a Richard Mille RM16 Extra Flat. Wow! Because wow. they are so fucking cool. To be honest, <laughs> um, and I'm never gonna get one. But if if we're talking hopes and dreams here, I would love an RM16 because I just think they're they're just such a unique looking watch. Um, something like seven or eight mil thick. Um, really beautiful crown and just yeah skeletonized movement um sh- all the shock protection you need and yeah just a sick watch um and i've been enjoying watching the u.s dollar inflate and i'm like oh this one's 60 grand oh now it's 70 or oh, now it's 60
3: <laughs> um, but
1: yeah it's not gonna ever happen but we'll see that is cool all right cool I uh Let's go to uh, so that's Benoit. We've got Rob from Hard on your Hard uh, on my wrist. Sorry, he uh, he's a, a new guy to the, the community, he's sort of coming um, and and really getting involved. So so thank you for that, Rob. It's been been great to sort of get to know you and your, your collecting journey. I know you're early in the piece, um, but his question is around um, you know what will get togethers look like now, and, and what do Fifth Wrist members want to see. Um, and, and the pros of cons around AD um, sort of events and things like that in the future post sort of COVID and lockdowns. Um, interesting question. So why don't we go to Vinny first? We'll put him on the spot. What do you want to see and what do you think is going to happen?
0: All righty. So I've only really got an answer for this because of COVID. So when we did a few um, brand Zoom events and it was kind of a bit bit boring a bit dull um so i realized that watch events by watch brands need to have watches there and whether it's a new release yes have the new release pieces but sneak in something exciting that enthusiasts and collectors will be like shit i would never see that unless it was this brand that could get this piece from another another area of the world or they got something from hq and say guys you know we're serious about our boutique or our brand we want to you know reward you and say look Here's something really special that you wouldn't otherwise see. And I guess in the perfect world, you'd be in the boutique and going hands-on with it, take a photo, you know, go, holy shit. Um, and then, yeah, just, just get the watches out. I don't want to see press releases. I don't want to see magazines. Um, I want to see the actual thing in the metal. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer, I guess. It's all about the watches in the end for me. Yeah. Cool. Good. Uh, Dimi, what about you?
5: I think how many of us go to um, boutique events to sit there and look at the watches in the first place? I think we sort of get there to see all the boys and get together and have a chat. And um, I think we sort of have an idea of what brands have these days. And um, so we sort of get together just to sit there and mingle and sort of catch up. Um, I guess moving forward, it's going to be completely different. I think we're all a hands-on kind of people. And... You know, every time we get together, there's always a new piece or maybe five or ten when it comes to the group. You know, the group you know, sort of swells to 20, 30, 40 people and we get together. And for us to sit there and be, I think, separated, it's going to be difficult. But I think we're going to have to adjust moving forward because um, the way things were is not how things are going to be moving forward because we're all going to be – it's going to be apprehensive, you know, because we're getting fed information and um, we're all going to start second-guessing all these events or these boutique openings or these new releases. And, you know, we're not people to sit there and be separated, you know, we always like to mingle and be close. So that's going to be, it's going to take a bit of adjusting to do that. Um, But I mean, every time I get to an event or to see a get together, it's always to see the boys first and sort of being alienated or separated from the closeness, I guess, with all of us. It's going to take a fair bit of use to and, and, and adjusting as well moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I, so one of the things you, you mentioned there about, you know, going to the events and looking at the watches, I did want to ask just on top of this, there was, um, I think Time and Tide did it and I've seen lately that JLC, what, what are we all thinking about these packs that are getting sent out and, and how is that making people feel um, as part of the, the brands and the community? Um, I certainly
2: didn't get one, but you know, well neither did it's I, because I live in Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get one, but I didn't sign up for one either. So, um, what, what was yeah. the,
4: what was this? What was the pack? Describe what,
1: what you what you're talking about. Well, I think Vinny, did you did you get one from JLC?
0: Yes. So, what the what was in the bag was a can of Negroni, which was cool uh, ah. from Four Pillars, yep. and it was a uh, the latest catalogue um, for I think it was 1920. Um and then a cleaning cloth and a pen. So, yeah, like it was. I, I like the magazines because they have really good in- illustrations, and this particular magazine had like amazing close-ups of the movements and stuff. So, I enjoyed that. Negroni, nice as always. Won't say no to a drink. Um, it, yeah, it's it's just nice and clicking a link and
5: well, if being I can presented, add. but it's,
0: so, yeah, go, Dim.
5: So I was just going to say, I mean, the past few months have been online get-togethers, um, own online boutique releases from like the Orises, the Grand Seikos and the Seikos or whoever it's been, they're just not the same as sort of going to an event or going to a get-together and having a meal. Agreed. Um, and seeing people on Zoom is great. Um, whether we have to continue to digital medium moving forward for the next, what, three, four, six, 12 months, we don't know. But um, nothing beats a sort of human interaction. Doing it online just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I they're doing the best uh, the best they can. Yeah.
5: They are for sure. Yes, I agree. But yeah,
0: I've I i could not agree more. Like, yeah. there's nothing like getting going around with the boys and the gals and just catching up and having the watches there.
5: It is. You know, it's just the whole uh, the anticipation. For example, on a Monday night, you know, we have a get together. Book for example, the railway hotel in Port Melbourne. So you leave work, you know, you change and you head in and you see the boys and you have a bite to eat, you have a beer, you talk watches, you take photos, and you're done for the night. That's a great night.
2: I think uh, I kind of think, um, I actually think the brands can do a lot better on the virtual piece, Vinny. Like, you know, oh, like,
0: I, what, I I couldn't agree more. What, yeah. What, what can they do?
2: <laughs> they come up and just give you a whole, but here, you know, it's like some sort of mono drone. So, uh, and, like, and you see everyone, after about five minutes, you see everyone zoom and they're either video off or they're like looking at their phone. Yeah. And, and I think the brands, because it's usually the big brands that are doing this piece of work, you know, it's not the smaller independents, it's usually the bigger. And they need to sort of say if they're doing a launch, it's a because it's virtual, you can get anyone from anywhere onto these things. Even recorded, it doesn't matter. And it'd be a great opportunity for the brands to say, here was a designer, here was the um, person at the movement, here what what was your thought process behind that, why and get them to explain how they developed the the you know the new watch and what was what was exciting for them and the process. And what was the process they went through to kind of, and they can do that because it's it's not like you're trying to fly someone to Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney. That's impossible. But in the virtual world, it's actually easy to get the us as, as consumers connected right back to the brand and the individuals who are designing that. And that way, you get a story about why they built this. What was the reason why they wanted? To, what was the design elements they put in that that resonated, and what was it the decision process? that would be a much more interesting um, insight into that launch than it's now got a blue dial or it's now got yellow, or it's now, you know, we've picked pastel colors this year. Like who cares? But it's a story and and it's really a, the big brands have missed that opportunity to connect their buyers with the actual people back in the factory. And and no one, or or, wherever they are, the design studio, because this is actually the bit where people are at home and are used to now virtual events. You know, we, we do it at work, we do it you know uh, for pleasure with family, and I'm zooming my family back home. So people are used to this medium, and they've missed that opportunity. Um, as far as I, as far as I can yeah. see, yeah,
0: I, I think there's some there's been some good ones, and they have made the most of the what the situation is. And then yeah, there's other brands that have missed the mark and. Yeah, after five minutes, you're looking at your phone going, oh, I'm on video. I wish I could log off, but they will see, I'll log off.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the, the Gerard Perregaux one was probably similar to what Desi's saying there, where they had quite a few people talking about the designing of the case and the way that it all works and the way that it's put together. And I know that it was it was a pretty sort of monologued conversation, but at least they were talking about interesting things and they had different people talking at different times. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. You can
2: pre-record it. You know the thing with the brands is, you know, I realize it's two and two AM in Switzerland. Yeah, but they can record something to say in this launch. Let's do this piece of work and actually build some collateral. Then, when we launch this, we can do these mini events. You know, that's that's what these agencies mark. You know, they spend a lot of money in marketing and a lot of clever marketing people. That's how they need to engage with their their, their consumers, their end users, and start putting some intelligence around it um, and get engagement.
3: Yeah, and I
1: suppose we'll all be wearing gloves at get-togethers next, I suppose, especially at AD events because if we're handing around watches, I hope that's the case and they don't just keep watches behind a a glass cabinet for safety reasons, at least hand out some gloves that you get to keep and hand them around. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it all goes.
2: Sorry, Vinny? Nope, that wasn't me. Oh, me. Oh, it? it was me even the face i mean i think even the face-to-face just what uh demi said you turn up and you're not really there for the launch of the watch you're actually there for the community yeah and, and that's that again is a miss missed opportunity by that brand where if they had doing something a bit more innovative and an and experience and even some sort of story or narrative they tell why they're launching this and what's the reason and then they engage the community, and then the discussion afterwards isn't about other things you've met as you're, you know, you're in the community. You're actually discussing the topic of the brand who have just actually talked about the launch. So they, they, again, I think they miss in my view. They miss that opportunity as well at, at these even the face to face events.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: All right. Let's,
1: uh, we'll keep going. We've got another one from Den, KGB on time. So, what is the most underappreciated field of horology? Um, interesting question, um, because I think it could be taken many different ways. But what do we think is the most underappreciated field of horology? Jeez. Who wants a crack?
5: Demi, Love I reckon. Question. I reckon Demi. Me? Oh, God. I haven't oh. thought about this question to Jonas. honest. Um, <laughs> look, a lot of. Uh, I don't know if it's a feel, but uh, look, an aspect that I think is important, I guess, for me, um, he's got sort of a larger wrist. I think uh, fit and feel and finish sort of case design and um, I guess angles and slopes uh, of lugs is pretty important um, if you get that right. Um, Even probably for, maybe even for smaller wrists, probably more so. um, Just the way he extends over, maybe bending around the wrist and around uh, to sort of the clasp or the bracelet or or the strap to make it fit properly, I think um, if that's not done properly, I think a watch that you've been chasing for a while um, ends up being a piece of crap if uh, if it doesn't fit properly. And I guess these days too, we can't go into boutiques, you know, we sort of take a punt and buy online and if we don't get it right, and then we sort of lose interest and we lose um, any appreciation for a brand altogether. So I think the engineering, when it comes to horology, I think is huge to make sure that the case fits properly on everyone's wrist. Um, larger wrist maybe not so much but i think the smaller wrist is pretty important as well
1: yeah i agree with that what Definitely. about you woody
4: yeah i i actually sort of agree with Dimmy a little bit there because you can look at a watch online and and see that it's you know there's a certain beauty to it but if a case is designed really nicely it'll just it'll feel nice and there's something to it and and you know when you put a watch on and you prefer, you tend to put watches on more in the end, that just feel better on your wrist too. And it's it's a hard, yeah. it's a hard one to get right to have something wrap around your wrist correctly. But um, so that's something that's probably not appreciated. It, it's appreciated, but it's not understood until you actually put the watch on your wrist, I suppose. But something yeah. that I think is underappreciated, is more due to lack of understanding or or education, is is a uh, movement construction and and um even down to timing in movements like and that is just down to lack of understanding i suppose we you know collectors can't be expected to understand what goes into timing a watch and and stuff like that but people don't really people don't really care that much these days about the accuracy of a watch um yeah, it it you know, it's it's all about the dial, it's all about the case, it's it's yeah. it's the look of the watch, um, but there's a lot that goes on inside the watch, just to get a watch to keep keep good time in certain positions and and at half wind and full wind, and that's something that is, you know, I could spend hours on a hairspring, and the customer will get it put it on their wrist, and be just like, oh, this looks just looks cool. And they, they might wear it two days a week and not even get to test the timing. So it's it's something that is um, definitely – it almost feels like a waste of time sometime, sometimes, like I think customers, you know, <laughs> yeah. companies oh, – com- That you know, sucks, com- Michael.
3: Yeah, I no, just imagine
0: it, you slaving away going, this fucking hairspring, why <laughs> the fuck <laughs> won't it get accurate? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this thing? And then you get it perfect after hours yeah, exactly. and days of slipping away and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll probably pop that one back in the safe for a while yeah, until, exactly. until I need to, you know –
4: so oh I, I yeah, I'm I'm doing a lot of the watchmaking, like real watchmaking work on this thing. But in the end, if it's a collectible watch, they're not they're not owning it or wearing it for the for the timing at all.
2: Um, Michael, Michael, yeah. I'm your Huckleberry.
4: What's that? I'm your, I'm
2: your Huckleberry. <laughs> I'm, 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 I had, at my age, my AP, the re, there's a reason I'm an ex-owner of the AP. Oh, yeah, that was terrible.
3: Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs>
2: And as much as I love that watch, I mean, I love that the dial was amazing. I mean, that bracelet is unbelievable, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, every time, I'm like, it's it's two minutes late. It's like,
3: right.
2: What the fuck's what the, going on? And I reset it another another few weeks. It's, it's still slow. What the heck? <laughs> and eventually, I'm like, I'm gone. Uh, it, it was like that annoying. So I'm your Huckleberry. I, I get it. I, well, I'm, I'm glad
4: people do appreciate it, but I'm sure there's some companies out there. I'm sure they're actually getting together and saying, "All right, we could save X amount of dollars if we didn't spend so many hours making sure this watch kept time perfectly. Like it would cost it it costs a lot of time because there's a lot of companies that still do a lot of manual dynamic poison to the balances. So they're removing metal at the last stage of the you know casing the watch up. They're removing metal from the balance in certain aspects or certain areas of the balance just so it it keeps time crown left compared to crown down and dial up. And, um, you know, it, there's so much time spent doing that. And I'm sure a lot of companies are sitting there with a conversation saying, I wonder if we should just like, skip this bit. You know, <laughs> I wonder if we can get away with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I think the best line you had, Desi, for that RO, that mm-hmm. Rolex was um, great or well, fantastic watch, shit timekeeper. I think it was yeah. <laughs> It was it's true. Yeah. It
2: was true. Like I loved it, but. It like there's the butt. I was like, oh my goodness! Just tell me, just tell me, just tell me the right tang, when I love you forever, like, you know. <laughs> I haven't
4: had that. I haven't had that much experience with AP. I've I've serviced a couple of them. And they've been okay, but I I have heard people say that. Um, yeah. So interesting.
5: So the next question begs. I mean, those pieces at that price should they, should there be an expectation that those pieces be cost certified, out of yes. the box? Yeah. At that price, you can't be spending all that money on a bracelet. Or a dial to have shit typekeeping and fork north of 15, fifteen twenty twenty five k without COSC certifying. Ex-
4: exactly, Absolutely. especially when there's a lot of ETA movements that are like COSC certified. Like you know,
2: especially when I've done one hundred and seventy five years of watchmaking, you think it must, have been, it, must have been, it must have been able to build one good one
4: by now. They should have figured it out.
5: Uh what was that uh Dimmy? They can't get shit right when it comes to team timekeeping, those kind of companies. Yeah, <laughs> and uh the last one on this bit,
1: I uh there was a post the other day from Horror Mario Bro. Um I'm sure you guys know him, um, that uh he put a picture up comparing the hands of a Krador uh Ichi two v or Ichi two versus the Habring Chrono. And um if you go onto his Instagram, you'll see it straight away, but I think underappreciated is the, the brands that spend the time that they put into the hands um, and the dial and the, the cleanliness and making sure that they're free of specks and blemishes and things like that. And I understand that a lot of these things you can only see under macro, but I think it, it talks to the care and uh, attention to detail that brands put in it. And um, it's really cool to see here Habring that, you know, their, their watch, this watch, the Chrono could sell anywhere between sort of nine and say twelve grand Aussie for the, the split second versus these Creedors that are, you know, God knows, 60, 70, 80 grand. Um and you'd expect a lot more from Credor given the, the um, amount of time and effort that goes into the polishing of Grand Sago hands. Um but yeah, I think I think the hands are a, a super important part. They need to be right.
3: Yep.
0: Um, yep. Nobody is safe. No brand is safe from Horror Mario, bro. He's no. looked at the hand stacks of Patek's and the undersides of, sec- uh, of minute, hour, seconds hands that have been unfinished. Um, that Langer, Langer. His, his Langer. Langer one had a yeah. wobbly, wobbly seconds hand. Um, well, even
4: even the movement finish on a Langer, I think. Yeah, is some, is that
0: it? some some uh, I guess someone was a bit too happy on the Anglage and took a bit out. Of a certain section, uh, yeah,
4: that really got through quality control.
2: That, yeah, that, that was amazing. Yep. It was also uh, good to see Anthony that we get a, you know, a serve back to the watch regulator on the hard ring washing machine. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Finally <laughs> finished washing machines, well, aren't they? You want to you <laughs> have a suck that back
1: up, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> love it all right now uh, another guest and friend of the show um scaramanga has asked uh do you leave your your watch and socks on during sex
4: <laughs> i love this question this is this is like when i saw this this is this is the highlight of the the podcast this question
1: oh dear all right i'll just go first so in winter yes that's all i'll say <laughs>
0: Righto, what who's else, next? What else do you guys buy the chronographs? Hang on, hang on.
4: That, was pretty, that was pretty quick. Was that like both, watches and socks?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. And in summer, just watches. Wow. In summer, just watches. I, I can't do the socks thing in summer because it's too hot. is not taking um, the socks off called foreplay? Possibly, <laughs> possibly. Only if they were BAM socks. But anyway, that's another story.
0: <laughs> um, Socks off, NATO right. off. It's all, on. it's all on. It's all happening.
1: See, that's why you need the NATO because then the, you know, well, you what we risk
3: expanding? Exactly. exactly. Seriously.
5: Maybe <laughs> we just take the Vegas philosophy: what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom, unless you are out in public.
1: Oh, yeah, and we'll exactly. leave it at that. All right, Michael, what's your take on this question? How can you answer? All this? right,
4: I think no to both. You've got to, you've got to take it all off. It's got to be. <laughs> okay like, it's got to be – there's got to be maximum amount of skin available, I think. I think – And I was waiting for someone to say that they leave their socks on. Like,
1: oh, yeah, like, leaving
4: <laughs> – I'm sorry, but leaving your socks on during is just like, man, how hard is it to turn the electric blanket on beforehand? <laughs> or, just, or just put a little bit more work into it and warm up that way, you know, like <laughs> –
1: yeah, oh, and that I hope next good.
4: time you you're going for it, you're, you can you can remember me saying this.
1: <laughs> no, Perfect. but I think I
4: love it. I think with the watch, I'll be thinking of Woodsy. <laughs>
1: hey, yeah,
4: I think I think with the watch, if if I was, I I never do, but if I was, it'd have to be something like a Swatch skin or a Cartier that just that just like sits low and it doesn't get in the way. Like I can imagine. I can imagine. What do you doing, my friend? Like the the worst, the worst one would be the IWC Big Pilot Watch because <laughs>
3: man, that,
5: well, that onion big crown's crown going to get stuck somewhere, is it? What's that? Is a big crown going to get stuck somewhere?
4: Yeah, that onion crown. There could actually be penetration. Like <laughs> it, it could, uh, that's if, just if, if you've got if you've got more than one person. Like if you're doing a kolex style and there's like a um, like you never know that where that crown could end up, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, so you just need one of those G-Shock mud, mud masks, don't you? That, exactly.
4: That's where it's at. <laughs> so I'm just uh, like, yeah, that's my that's oh my uh, humble opinion.
0: <laughs> waiting on waiting on to drop a limited edition. Uh, series of big pilots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: All right, does anyone else want to answer this question?
2: Well, I was just hey. wondering if Scaramanga has, uh, you know, had, like does dress-ups, you know, dresses a clown or does, you know, did, you know some you crazy, know. crazy <laughs> sort of, you know, do you, would, I, would I keep my clown shoes on but take my socks off? <laughs> or, you know, so I'm just wondering if he's looking for some sort of clarification on his, hey, uh, hey, you man. know, dress-ups.
1: Who knows? What a cracker question, though. Thank you, uh,
2: oh, too
3: good for that
1: one. Too good. Right, anyone else want to answer that? No? Nah? Okay, we're good. We're going to
4: move on. <laughs> I was expecting everyone to be like, this is the best right, question. Sure. ever." I'll, I'll answer.
0: I mean, Kobe. you don't want to be looking at your watch because you're just setting yourself up for disappointment.
5: Um, put the watches on certified. They won't have a problem, they You make hey, maybe you, you know could all wear
1: um s- silver snoopies because uh, what is it about the 14 seconds? What could you achieve in 14 <laughs> seconds? Effective time management that's what you uh,
0: you'd have 13 seconds left
2: over. Um, that's why you need the that's why you need the uh, that's why you need the heartbreak mono pusher time, you know, uh, just one time, no, one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no use for the 10 minute countdown, no, no. just use right. the monopusher pusher. Click here we go. <laughs> splits. That's why you need the split split second chronograph Splits and we're done. There we go. <laughs> oh
0: dear.
4: Uh you don't want something that's you don't want something that's like super glowing in the dark either, because all you'll see there's this glowing just like moving. Just
0: if you need to distract need to distract yourself.
4: Yeah. Then. Yeah, but if the room's
5: dark, they wouldn't like the way they would you?
4: What's that? No, it'd just be it'd just be this weird. Just be this weird, like glowing I'm thing I'm moving I'm
2: around. Eye watching you. Like, yeah, exactly. Kind of you could have a little minute repeater. Ding, ding, ding,
0: ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, oh, that would be something. That yeah. would be something. I, I or, just...
1: or a vibrating alarm. Yeah, one of those JLC <laughs> vibrating alarms.
2: Well, you've got the uh yeah, we've got. Well, you've got the uh, the watches that are you know this sort of um erotic watches. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: right. We're talking about underappreciated.
2: Yeah, the automatic yeah. watch complication. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's that is that is he's got liked. something
5: is it Brigade or Blanc? Is it Brigade, isn't it? It's got... Yeah,
3: Blanc Pan, um, UN Pan, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. could yeah. be the watch to be wearing. Uh, hi darling, look, remind you of something. <laughs> 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 Just like, take, it, take, it, take your socks off, you got a shot. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Show the case back. this oh, is what I want. That's
4: like an old school way of like watching porn to get in the mood beforehand. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> watch, watch them go on for it before.
0: <laughs> uh, I reckon, yeah, Put put your watch on your partner and there you go. Everyone's involved, best of both worlds. Everyone's having fun.
1: Oh, God. Alright, moving on. Uh, we have a, 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 a unanimous punter here who's asked who is the mysterious and sexy visionary behind the Fifth Risk website? Does anyone know? Is he actually a real
3: person?
2: Oh, I know the I know the puppet, you know, the watch regulator, oh, but, but who's the puppet master? Uh huh. That is the question. There's someone behind him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh dear. Or, anyway. it's probably just alcohol.
3: I know, what I'm
1: <laughs> <today>. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Anyway, Alex, uh, that one was for you. So we'll, we'll see where that goes.
3: Uh,
1: all right. So that that ends the questions from the community today, and we've got a, a heap more um, that we'll do in upcoming shows. So really looking forward to those, and thank you for the ones that sent them through. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some more heated debates on, um, especially around the in-house, and some more in more questions. We can go a little bit deeper in some of this stuff. So. So thank you to the community for sending them through. And if anyone's got any topics, um, any listeners out there, just send them through to us. Um, We're more than happy to to bring them up or invite you onto the podcast to talk about them. So if there's something you're passionate about or want to explore, hit us up and we're we're more than happy to go for it. Uh, Cool. So uh, the last little bit before we move into starting to wrap up with the Instagram follows was uh, the Phillips Auctions uh, put a post up this week on this week or last week, I can't remember when it was, but it was about the uh Oyster Perpetual. So in their auctions they have now uh, a set of the five I think they're the forty one mules, maybe the thirty six thirty six. Um and I suppose the the comments in the the post have been pretty pretty full on. Um scathing as well. And yeah, so I guess I just wanted to ask around the group, what what are our thoughts on the fact that an auction house has got a hold of brand new watches, um, whether they came from Rolex or a Rolex AD or someone who managed to be able to be high up on a VIP list that was able to buy all five and then quickly auction them off? What are, what are our opinions on this? We might start with Vinny. What do you think? Because I know you weren't too happy when you first saw this.
0: Oh, I, I have many thoughts for it and I want to articulate them in a way that's constructive Uh, I will go open with disappointing um, to have a brand new watch and just straight to the auction market it's almost as if they've gone someone made the comment there it's like are you guys an auction house or a grey market dealer because that's pretty much what's happened and and just after this as well I saw on Instagram and I won't quote anything because I don't want anything to be incorrect or putting throwing someone on the bus or whatever it is I don't want to get anyone in trouble but it sort of brought out a lot of shady stories about how things may work in that side of the world where the auction's being held and in other places in the world where how Rolex deals with clients and how clients deal with grey market dealers and how that all interacts and I just it felt it felt really dirty and I don't want to be part of it of like we love our watches and you know we really enjoy what the hobby brings us and it just to see money hungry money grabbing it just felt dirty and i, I don't know it just felt like getting portrayed a bit because we love these things what they are and not mm-hmm. for an investment vehicle and yeah it's just the whole roller coaster of disappointed angry upset but then again when there's a financial incentive to do anything this kind of shit will happen so yeah, it just, it just sucks. Like, imagine the guy that's like, fuck, I would really love to get an Oyster Petrol in whatever colour and they go to their local AD and they put their name down and they're like, yay, I'm, one day I'm going to get this call. It's going to be amazing. Only for this to happen. It it Yeah, it's just really disappointing from well, in effect, like this point Vinnie, of
5: view. It's five less watches out on the market for people who work hard to try and gain whether it could be a Grail or just another piece of their collection, it's five less watches now that's out in the open that can be bought.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I makes mean, just rub It takes away it, – it goes back to how, I guess, concerning the waitlist thing is, and this just took it one step further. Just when I thought things couldn't get any crazier in the Rolex situation, this happened. And I whether it's – I mean, who knows who's responsible for this auction and how these watches have ended up at Philips. But it just
5: – It shouldn't matter how he ended up because they either got given to Phillips or Phillips got priority um, consideration to say, you know what, well, yeah, just take whatever you want. And they all said, we'll take these, we'll auction them off. Does anyone know what they went for?
1: It's not happened yet, but that was oh, going to be my okay. next question. What mm-hmm. do we think is going to happen with them? Um, and if someone buys all five, like is that a, I don't know, maybe sixty or $70,000 – uh, process that n- not doubles but nearly doubles each individual p- price. I don't know. It's, it's it's scary. Scary. What's the
5: recommended? What's recommended on these?
1: Oh, I think it's now about eight three Aussie. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. But it's around that for the the OP thirty six. Okay. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think they're going to go for somewhere between ten and fifteen grand each, and it's just stupid. Like I think yep. for so many people out there that want to buy these watches. Um, and then we see stuff like this happen it just it, there's so many issues at the moment and it's making so many people angry and that's what I don't understand is why why would we want to make so many people angry and I'll, and I'll never forget being in Stuttgart and seeing this going to all the ads having absolutely nothing like no meal gossip no no nothing other than 31 mil diamond date just and then seeing this. Mm-hmm. Cabinet that was about five meters long, about a meter deep, and there was two two rows, and there was there was four hulks, there was six Daytona's of each color, ceramic. There were four Batman's, like just everything in this one a one secondhand dealer, and it's just like, well, how does this make sense? It just doesn't, mm-hmm. and it was just really frustrating.
0: Michael, I just I want to ask you, Michael, because you're you've worked for rolex for an extended period of time at a high level how do you feel about this
4: yeah i i I don't like it and i I don't know much about it i don't know what the incentive is and how they got them and who gave them but um i can understand that if it works right then it works in rolex's favor um as much as we don't like it i think if these if these end up going for a premium all of a sudden you know you've, you've got another you don't just have the rolex sports watches desirable they could they could be creating a um a higher desirability for another range of, of their watches. And that could be the, that could be the motivation. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't like it. And I think it's a bit ugly. Um, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to say to be honest. Like I, it's, it's, yeah. You know, I thought Phillips was the, the, the type of auction house that would be just, we deal in just vintage and, or, you know, if it's pre-owned, then it's, you know, This this is like this is like straight from the ad or straight from Rolex. I don't know where it came from. Yeah,
0: that that's the worst case scenario thought in my head. Yeah. All right. What's the worst thing that could possibly have happened here? Rolex has gone straight to the auction house and said, "Hey, throw these up. You'll get your auction fee, and we'll we'll get this market going, and see and replicate what's happening across our sports model." Best case scenario. Best case scenario. One collector's got greedy. Who's like obviously a VVIP can get access. He's gone. Yoink. Phillips knows him very well and says, "Hey, how about let's do this thing? Yep, and let's see how much money you can make."
4: You're right. That would be the best case <laughs> yeah. scenario. Like that would be the one where, all right, uh, I don't know if that could have happened, but maybe, um, maybe someone was lucky enough to get all of them. I'm not sure, but I suppose there's people that can then pull pull strings around the around the world and get that sort of thing. But um, look, it, it's 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 on one side. I think it's quite clever if it works out. Um, on the other side, I just think it's if if I'm a person that wants one of these watches, I think it's ugly. Um, either way, I don't I don't know who to blame, but I just think it's yeah, it's not not nice. I think um, yeah, yeah. As as you guys said, it's it's less watches for people out there. Not yeah. that not that that many watches is going to make a difference, but just the whole yeah. aspect that it you it, you know it's it's out there in the open that these new watches are just going straight to the second hand market sort of. And there's money being made by a legitimate
5: auction house. Um, we wouldn't be talking about this if there were the Stage 2 brands, for example, or... Yeah, uh, no. We wouldn't be talking about it.
4: No, no, exactly. So. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I can see where, why they would be trying to do it, and but I don't... Yeah, I didn't think it would happen. Not in a million years. It'd,
1: like. it'd, be, it'd be so good if um, someone bought them that was pissed off about it and then published photos of the warranty cards... Just to see, <laughs> you know, just to see who's, which AD has stamped it, or um, you know, because there has to be something on there. Yes, there doesn't need to be a name, um, but there needs to be a date of sale, and there needs to be a an AD um, stamp from yeah. where it was bought. And they
0: so, can they can go back to the serial numbers as well. Yeah, but I'm yeah. sure if
2: Rolex. I'm sure Rolex can do that already. You know, if they want to track, you know. So it's there's a question, Michael? You're right. is business, and it could be a smart business um, if it's meant to be, then it's a, it could be a smart business move, could could backfire. Um, if it's not intended, then obviously, I mean, there's nothing to, I mean, the richest or, you know, one of the richest organizations in the world, is Rolex, they could easily just outbid anyone and get those and say, yep, here's the original, here's the seal numbers, here's the original owner, and just do the tracing. Um, what it probably has done is it's probably damaged, Um, Especially from the collector community, the both reputation of Phillips and Rolex, which is probably not what either really want. Um, So, imagine if Rolex
1: was the phone bidder. Yeah,
4: I just thought about that. (laughs) Can you imagine if they just like went went some stupid number and just said thirty thousand a piece or something like just something ridiculous? Yeah, but they might want to
2: buy them back to find out who did it. Well, maybe because it's brand reputation. Maybe, maybe
4: they yeah exactly
1: or they put them up to buy them back.
2: Yeah
4: wouldn't it wouldn't it be I mean gee I'm not wishing this on like I I, I respect Rolex I I'm still yeah, close to same. Rolex but I think you we're almost all wishing or hoping that they just tank and they just don't even get retail somehow, like yeah. that would be that would be the that ultimate would be good. yeah
0: retail plus auction fees like yeah that would be, exactly. I'd just be like yeah, look you've uh...
4: yeah because it's like, all oh, right, We can just, we'll just go out and get these eventually. They're not they're not like getting a Daytona or a GMT or a sub. So yeah,
2: yeah, twenty twenty. You have a conspiracy. Mm.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> it is an interesting we one. Do. I wonder if the information will come out and if we find out what happens. Like, yeah. Anyway.
2: If it's if it's if it's if it's bad, it'll get buried. Yes. You know, there's, there's too much. There's yeah. too. There's too much. Um, it's the corporate organization. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that was a uh, interesting conversation um so let's uh, we'll start to move to wrap up now and have a look at people to go follow on instagram
2: can i, can I ask a question can i ask a question yeah please do sorry, Des, go sorry. for sorry i was because we're all sort of watch collectors my, my question was really around if you had to go back to when you were starting what advice would you now give the young derek anthony michael Vinny, and demi that is can a great question
1: i can go first and because I've made I've made a couple of mistakes um, over the years, and I was I was looking at a thread the other day, and it was just a comment on Instagram, and it was about some guy that was, um, I think he was saving up for an OP, but was oh no, it was a, a black bay, a blue bay, the new fifty eight blue, um, and he couldn't get it, and he was sick of waiting, and he wanted to go buy something else, and I saw a comment in there that resonates really well with me, that is, don't settle. Just because you can't get something, don't buy something in replace of that watch. Buy, if you want to buy something to scratch a niche, buy something completely different, but don't, because I did that. I, I couldn't find the BLNR back in about 2014, 2015. And so I went and bought a Super Ocean, Super Ocean Heritage um, Brightling Blue Bezel Glue dial, which is a fantastic watch, great watch. But then I eventually found the Batman, ended up selling the Breitling, lost a fair bit of money on the on the sale and regretted it. And I did the same thing with the JLC when I couldn't find the Reverso and then I ended up finding it. So just this this game of collecting is not a, don't think here and now. Think long-term, think about what you want and stick to the plan. Watches do show up and you will find it. And the best feeling you can get in the world is when a watch shows up that you've been saving for, and you've got the cash there to instantly go and get it. It is so satisfying um, to be able to do that because you didn't go back and buy another watch that was a gap stopper or a filler at that time. So that would be my advice to 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 myself four or five years ago.
2: I've got some help as well, Anthony. If I, if you give me if I put a thousand bucks above your retail price, here, will be on R. You can probably cover the cost of your Breitling that you.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah okay i i didn't do too bad in that space <laughs> but but what if what if that watch wasn't that like right. that and, 100%. you know so yeah it's it's just something that and and i've not ever i've not done it since i uh, i hung out for the habering um and and sure enough it showed up and and interestingly enough another one showed up not too long ago that lasted about three weeks on chrono so uh, i think that one was number nine so they do they do come up for sale you've just got to be um you've got to be ready to be able to do it when they do come and that can be hard waiting six months 12 months with cash in the bank and not the what you want and see things that pop up all the time but don't do it just wait
4: yeah i i sort of agree i'll, I'll just say i'll second that i'm, I'm a very impulsive person and uh, yeah i still am but Yeah, if I could, if I could go back and say, just hold out. You don't, you know, try and get the the best, either the best price or the best example of that piece. Um, It'll come around eventually. Um, And I think I still battle with that to a certain extent. I I think, I think as far as the type of watches I'd buy have changed, but I think you've almost got to go through that journey. Um, You, I don't think I could go back and say skip all of those other watches you bought because you you're going to end up with a different taste i think you've got to go through that journey but i think the the process in in actually selecting something to buy or um for me it's it's a little bit difficult because i am so impulsive and when i see something i i like it's it's all about me liking it and i just want it now and so it's hard it's a difficult one but yeah try and hold out and get get something that's um that's just right um if it, especially if it's vintage, obviously, the best example. If it's new, then, well, you you get, you get try and just get it, but yeah. any
2: lessons learned?
0: Um, to be honest, I feel like I don't have the collecting experience uh, to say I can look back and give myself good advice because even though I've, well, I've been heavily into watches maybe six years now, that's not a lot compared to a lot of guys out there that have a wealth of knowledge and I think I've done okay. I don't have any major regrets or major lessons learned because being around you guys and having, yeah, a great community around in Melbourne and online, I've been able to avoid mistakes and big ticket items that a lot of people do learn. So, I mean, the way my collections started and the way it is now, like I, I wouldn't change it. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy and I think I've got so much more to learn. But recently... Um, JP, I was, he was saying, we had a podcast, Anthony, and you asked me, what's my next watch? And I said, oh, probably a Reverso, because I really do love the Reverso. And then JP messaged me. He's like, hey, man, I thought, what about that traditional VC? And I kind of given up on it for a while, because I just thought, oh, that's that's a large sum of money. Like, I'm never going to get there. I'll just see how things go. And if something I really love pops up, I'll, I'll work, to, work towards that. And then I thought, hang on no, like that's my ultimate watch. Why would I not work towards my ultimate favorite Grail watch? And it kind of pulled me in line a little bit and that's where I'm headed. And I've been, oh yeah, really focused on it. And I'm not, not mucking around, doing my best to get there.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a good, I think your biggest regret was giving Dane back that uh, tradition now when he, you know, oh, he borrowed I, did, and I didn't give it giving back. The country. He, he had to
0: like <laughs> tie me up and, <laughs> pin me down and get law enforcement to pry it out of me. Yeah, that was not an easy one to give up. How many needle straps did he use to tie you down, Vinny?
1: That's the- <laughs> and did he leave his socks on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's purely so dang, consensual, that you. part of it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dean's a lovely guy. He's a lovely yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Champion. It's part of the watchful uh, experience. It's all good.
1: All right. Uh, let's go to uh, – what about Dimi? What's what's any advice uh, that look, you would give yourself? And then we'll go to Desi. Oh,
5: uh, look, I think we've up. all been through uh, part of this anyway, but I think all the new guys are sort of starting out in the – we call it a hobby or an addiction or whatever it is. Um, it actually becomes an addiction. I think the most important thing is to buy your watch stream that is going to satisfy you and your wrist to make sure that you're happy with what you've bought and what you're wearing as opposed to buying something that you think people are going to look at you and you're assuming you're going to be happy, trying to please everybody else. You please yourself, make sure that the watch you bought, you've en- you're enjoying it and just fuck everybody else because no one else matters. No one's perception of what you wear on your wrist matters. Yeah, very true. It doesn't matter.
4: yep You're the one that's going to be looking at it most of the time anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's
0: more important than ever actually, Dimi, because there's a lot of that going on. Um, buying, getting the latest and greatest just to impress people you don't really know with a watch you don't really like. So that, that is fantastic advice.
1: But you know what's good about that though? Is there's a lot of posts. I mean, people put up these posts on watch forums on facebook and stuff saying um hey i'm looking for this watch do you think it's a good investment and it's been really cool to actually watch the comments and and people not getting snotty about it but writing things like if you like it buy it and there's more often than not there's more comments saying that than there are just saying watches are not an investment and giving the guy a bit of a hammer um so i think that's good i think there's a real shift there where people are sort of saying don't buy it don't buy a Rainbow Daytona because they're now $500,000. Buy it because you love it um, and you want to pay five times retail because that's cool. Is that so, what they are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 500K oh in front of at the moment. Oh, God. Bonkers. Is
0: it, a, is it an actual photo or is it just like a blank one? That's uh, like, They're
1: you? mainly, mainly they're just the stock press photos. Yeah,
0: so they're, they're putting the price up and then someone will go, oh, I'll buy it and then they'll go find one. Thanks for telling me, Anthony, because I've got six here in my safe. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> right, just let those go and get your Roger Smith. Desi, you know what? No need no yeah, yeah.
2: oh, one for Yeah, one for Anthony, one for Michael, one for Benny. <laughs> <Yeah>, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sign us up. Um, cool. Good stuff. And Desi, what about you? Advice? Um, yeah, I think similar to what uh, – there's two things I think I'd give myself. One is buy what you like and – not what you think other people like, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you do get sucked into, you know. This is good, and what can, would this be? And, and I think that's part of the journey, which Michael says you kind of always go. Everyone goes through. And I think also what this is really good is the community. So you get, you know, get yourself into watch community, get yourself into whatever is local, and that way you do get to taste other people's, you know, or get to see other people's sort of tastes and get to experience other watches without having to go in pony up um, and help develop your palette essentially on the watch side so you know what the community here does is fantastic because we do get to experience other people's watches and it's a you know you can almost walk around for two or three years with someone's watch on your wrist and no one cares um, and you get to experience that watch and say actually I like this style this type of watch this brand this uh, so that community piece of I probably should have um, joined much earlier in my and I think people are nervous because you're nervous of your education, what you know about watches, your level of expertise, but it's actually the best thing to do is jump into the community and, and that accelerates your um, knowledge and, and embracement, you know, and, and you get embraced by the community to kind of help you. It's great advice. Yeah. Yep. Very great advice. Uh, the only last
1: thing I'd say is, is I look back now and I kind of wish that I had a website like Fifth Wrist to <laughs> go visit when I was just sort of learning out about watches because let's face it, um, you know, fifth wrist is exactly about this kind of stuff that, you know, being able to connect with people, become part of a community, um, you know, read people's reviews that they've actually owned the watch. Um, You know, so I think having something like fifth wrist available to the community to go on and, and read and research and then reach out to that person and ask a question you might have or whatever. And I've found that people in the watch community are just so welcoming and forthcoming to, offer up their point of view or advice or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And yeah, I'm just so happy that the community is just continuing to grow and I've really enjoyed seeing people come in that are so fresh and early into it. Um, And the amount they learn so quickly just from being connected to the community is just awesome. So. That's so
4: true. Like years ago, it would take a lot longer to experience all of the watches and, and and the opinions and and these days, you know, people involved in the Slack chat even and just and and just looking at fifth wrist, yeah, the, the the reviews. I mean, yeah, you get you get to you get to progress through your journey a lot quicker. I think younger collectors these days. So I think it's yeah, I think it's fantastic.
2: It's also without prejudice. Like if you you know someone could love Rolex, but if they truly love Rolex and they're really into and there's like great, I'll, everyone learns something, and you see an appreciation, and you see their Joy, you're like that's fantastic, you know. And if someone's an, an independent or love their speed masters and can you know all the different, vi- that's there's no prenacy. You just you absorb that as well. You're like oh that's part of my learning. Um, so that that's the that seems to be a, a unique um, aspect as well, uh, which is you know very different to you know I drive this uh, you know. Well, like if you think about cars, there's you know you're a Holden fan or a Ford fan or a, you know you have a bias. Here, the there's be less of that or almost non-existent.
1: Great question, Desi. Great question. Thank you. All right, cool. Let's move to wrap up now and people to go follow on Instagram and we will finish up. So why don't we go with our guests first? We'll go with Desi and then Dimmy and then the rest of us nutcases
2: to follow. Uh, So Desi. Desi, thank you. It gets hard because when I I look at my Instagram feed, I'm like, was this from fifth rest where I just followed all the yeah. recommendations or is this one I've stumbled on myself? Um, so hopefully I stumbled on this one myself, uh, Edinburgh timepieces, all one word. Um, some fantastic shots. he has got a, yeah. a whole bunch of different, uh, really the, the, I mean, it gets his lighting spot on, but it, you know, um, he's got a bunch of, he's got Omega, he's got a bunch of different watches. So really cool. Um, just visually, I think
4: just spectacular. So very nice um, photographs. Yeah. I yeah. enjoy awesome. that feed. Yep. Very good. Jimmy,
1: what about you?
5: Um, I guess over the past few months I've had a probably this guy's probably been tagging me in a fair bit of his shots. Um, and I guess my sort of photos for a while have been going down the lifestyle watch photography path. And there's a guy named Jack who goes by the handle of wrist underscore wis. Um and his lifestyle photography that he's come up with is just um, amazing. Just the mood and the vibe about everything he posts is um, kind of gets me hooked to all his posts these days, which is really good. So, WIS, Rist, W-I-S. Wrist, so, wrist oh, WIS wrist underscore WIS, W-I-S. WIS underscore. Guy named Jack.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's quite cool. It's awesome.
5: So, yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Good one. Um. What about Michael?
4: Let's go with you. Yep. i picked pick one that um, almost purely because I just connected with her like today um, and I looked and I saw that none of you guys I think are following her. So um, cool. <laughs> it's uh, watch watch.gringa. Uh, watch.gringa. Yep. And yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's, uh, there's a tutor there. There's a, um, there's a few, there's an Amiga Speedmaster, a few nice watches and, yeah, just a Cartier and a few cool picks. But, yeah, she seems like a cool chick. So, yeah. Well,
0: I wonder what she's going to think of this podcast about three-quarters of the way through if she's <laughs> going to listen. <laughs> uh,
4: we'll see. She'll yeah, love it. We'll uh, so, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> we'll <down. laughs>
1: see. I, I am following... Following now. Or oh, She follows
5: me, but I follow her back. Oh that's right, okay.
4: Yeah.
0: And and Thank shout you. out because they're they husband and wife team. Uh that's pretty yes. cool. I saw oh, that. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Oh, yeah.
5: yeah. Yep.
4: So I think they're sharing a lot of their watches, but um, that's cool. Yeah, it's good, it's good, especially if you can find a uh a partner that shares the passion like that. So yeah.
1: Yeah, awesome.
3: It's
0: gonna be exp- expensive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, the watches and- the watches are half price because you just pay half each. But at least uh, the other yeah.
4: person understands, Touch. you know.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true,
1: yeah. Uh, Vinny.
0: What about yours? Alrighty, so I've gone. I'm. Um, this one is called Max Tor 71, so Maxtor seventy one. So M A X T O R seventy one. Um, just incredible photography. Wow! Like the, yeah, just insane. Like the one I'm looking at now is a meteorite subdial. and it's you see every little abrasive nook and cranny of that sub dial it's uh just in yeah insane level of photography so that's a lot of great
5: what, what lens uses there
0: good one i was that already is, following
4: yeah that is wow. incredible photography
0: what a guy yeah i just like i only saw this recently i thought wow the next level
5: sure so yeah, follow yeah is done. thank you next
1: and so mine is the three four nine designer so check this guy out he's a italian guy who has he designs and gets built his own one-off watches and he's got some really cool dials case well a really cool dial case and handset on his latest project um and i'm really pleased to say that uh I'm recording a podcast with him to talk about his journey, building his own one-off watches. He's done a couple um, and what it's like and who he dealt with and what he did and how he came up with things. So I'm really looking forward to that discussion with him because I think there's so much to say. Everyone talks about this stuff. He's gone and done it. So really, really impressive to see. And I actually really, I, I was spewing when I looked in a bit deeper and found that I couldn't actually buy this watch. Um, because those hands are so unique, the case shape is unique, the stepped bezel is unique. Um, yeah, just a really, really cool. So that's his. He's called it the three four nine sport. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, give him a follow because uh, he needs he needs to grow his uh, his profile because there's not many people out there that uh, that can do that. So very cool. Cool bananas. Well, thank you uh, to our first special guest, Desi. Thank you for coming on the show today. It's a real pleasure and something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And thanks for that awesome story about you getting busted. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you can rejoice in my pain. Wonderful. That's <laughs> the whole idea. Uh, and over to our mystery guest, Dimi. Thank you very much for joining us. Um,
3: pleasure, was, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for having me on. a pleasure
5: to have you back on the show again. Awesome, awesome speaking with you all as well.
2: Vote yeah. for Sarpaneva. Watch on the. <laughs> yes, <laughs> aye, 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 Um.
1: All right, guys. So, uh lastly, before we wrap up, we'll just have a quick chat. So, remember that uh, if you want to enter our or come and join us in our community on the Slack group, just email myself, Anthony at or get in touch with Alex or any one of the people on this uh, podcast. will be able to point you in the right direction, but. Um, we've got some really cool threads going with we've got podcast chat we've got projects we've got watches we've got website we've got off topic um so there's something for everyone to enjoy um and uh yeah you know head over to the website please review one two three four of your watches we really want to hear and we're now again we're starting to grow the double ups as well and seeing the different things that people feel about watches and that's what it's all about sharing the knowledge that you have um So, yeah, I think we are done, gentlemen. Thank you all so much. Have a fantastic rest of the weekend. Uh, And to everyone else, stay on time.
0: Wrist is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact
2: at and join the movement.